Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 574 with Ben Gaddis of T3. It's all an advertising model. That's exactly what these aggregators are doing. That's what a Postmates or a Grubhub does. So if you want to uh, show up as the number one uh, Mexican food restaurant in the city, you're going to have to pay for it. You're going to have to pay to get that placement. And when you do, you'll get a lot of traffic. You need a lot of people coming in your restaurant. Are you ready for it factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. Cash flow is something every small business is worried about, and it's hard to know at any given moment how you're doing. And worse, it's virtually impossible to predict the future until now. Welcome to CashflowTool.com, the ultimate companion for any small business using QuickBooks. CashflowTool.com gives you instant visibility on any device anywhere of your cash flow, and it also alerts for unexpected expenses. On top of all this, it analyzes your past finances and projects how much money your company will have tomorrow, next week, and next month. Go to www.cashflowtool.com slash unstoppable and enter promotional code unstoppable at checkout and receive pro features at the essential features price. Introducing Ethics Suite, the first and only misconduct, theft, and fraud reporting platform exclusively for the restaurant industry. Check out restaurantethics.com to see how restaurant employees can report any concerns anonymously, easily, and securely from any device with internet connection. However, if you're an owner or manager, you should check out ethicssuite.com slash restaurantunstoppable for more information on how you can monitor and respond to these reports and stay informed about issues that could affect your business and your reputation. One more time, that's ethicssuite.com slash restaurants unstoppable. With excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, Ben Gaddis. My man, Ben, are you feeling unstoppable today? I, I am feeling unstoppable because <laughs> I have no choice. I don't have the opportunity to stop because I've got a three and a half year old oh, man. at home and uh, her cousins are coming in tonight. So we have we're not stopping. You've got to be on 72 hours straight. Nice. I like to hear yeah. that, man. That's, that's what we like to hear here. So uh, Ben Gaddis is the president of T3, an Austin advertising agency dedicated to helping clients build useful brands and create exclusive, meaningful relationships with their customers. Today, we're here to discuss the shifting marketplace, specifically why fewer people are going out to eat and what you can do about it. Uh, ben believes the solution is in owning your your restaurant, or sorry, owning your relationships online, creating, ma- maintaining, and evolving signature experiences, and addressing the changing nature of space. So we'll get into that, but first we got to get that motivational, inspirational ball rolling with a success quote or mantra. What do you got for us? Uh, my favorite quote is there's a, uh, there's a writer here in Texas. Uh, I spent a lot of time here in Austin. His name's Jay Frank Doby, and he said, if it's not true, it should be. And I love that because, and especially as you think about restaurant, you think about creating experiences. Um, the only thing that keeps you from creating the best experience is the fact that it doesn't exist today and you can go create that. So yes. if you don't like what it is today, then just make whatever you want to be true. Yeah. If it's not true, then it should be. I love yeah. that. Cause literally like the, the, the power of the, the human mind, like if you can imagine it, you can create it. And 
it's so hard to to stand out today, to be unique, but there's nothing stopping you from being unique because you're your own biggest hurdle to get over, right? So yeah. if you if you break that mentality down, if it's if you think it's not possible, then it won't be. But if you do think it's possible, then you'll find a way. I also think at this moment in time, sometimes you know you hear about fake news, you hear about all these things, but sometimes we take away the fact that the greatest storytellers uh, came up with something and then uh, it starts to manifest itself. And so like if you look at sci-fi, right, a lot of the innovations that are happening today were predicted in sci-fi 20, 30 years ago through these stories. Planted a seed. Right? It planted a seed. And I think that that's the way that we have to think about creating experiences in this industry. And if you can just think about what it should be, uh, it, it should be, it should be irrational. It should be out there. Uh, and then you just go make it true. Yeah, man, I love it. So why don't you tell us a little bit more about who you are, uh, what T3 is, and what makes you an authority on today's subject? Sure. So, um, and I know your audience, right? I mean, you're, you you really talk to authentic um, restaurateurs, right? Founders, and and um, and I, I come at it from a slightly different way. Um, and maybe I work for some of what you might think are the bad guys, right? So we work with some of the biggest restaurant brands in the world. We work with uh, uh, the set, we work with Pizza Hut, with uh, Auntie Anne's and Cinnabon and Moe's and Carvel. We work with about seventeen different restaurants, probably covering about thirty thousand units. Um, so we've got that side of the business. And what we really try to help them do is understand how they grow and how they create experiences in a very digital world that drive people into a physical location. So we've got that part of the business, but then a a really exciting part of the business is we also work with um, local uh, restaurateurs uh, who are really trying to uh, understand what happens in those big restaurants, but maybe don't want to become them, right? Instead want to, you know, take all those learnings and apply it at a much smaller scale and a much more personal scale. So we work with folks like uh, Hop Dotty, uh, work with uh, Sprinkles. We work with uh, Torchy's Tacos and Uchi here in, uh, in Austin. Um, Some and of those so restaurants are on my hit list. They are, and so. they're, they're all people that you should talk to. But, um, you know, what we, what we love about that is, is across those 17 restaurants that we work with, I get to hear problems that are at a macro scale, a micro scale, and everybody is struggling with something very similar. Just the way they go about it is different. And so uh, I think the reason why, well, what I bring to the conversation today is um, some of those macro trends um, with potentially some micro solutions that I think people can use to make sure that the next five years don't make them irrelevant. And yeah. that's, a real, that's a real risk in this space right now. Yeah, I'm really excited for- to, to speak with you and to have this conversation. I mean, I'm, I'm always saying you, you kind of hit the, the nail on the head. Like I, I do want to see more independent restaurant operators out there. And I, I exist to serve the small guy to give them access to knowledge. They wouldn't normally have access to, but we have to think, I, I say it all the time and it comes up a lot on the show. Even if you're a small company, you need to think like a big company. You mm-hmm. need to implement the systems, processes, procedures into, to, and to act like those big companies, but on a more penetrative, small scale, right? On a more intimate level. And I think that we actually have, the smaller guys have a hand up because we, we are more intimate. We, we do have stronger relationships. And at the end of the day, culture and all these things that are important today are about relationships, mm-hmm. right? So if we can, we, we have the upper hand, but if we can think like big companies and, and implement those, those systems, those technologies, like I think that we can have a, a marketplace full of, of independence. And that's kind of my dream, my vision yeah. of, what was the original quote? Uh, uh, if it's not true, it should be. Yes. Yeah. So that's my my should be right there. there More independence. And uh, yeah. Anyway, I digress. Uh, so let's identify the problem. Let's really dive into what the problem is and what is the problem. Yeah. So two problems as I see it. First problem is across every almost every restaurant that we talk to, traffic is down. 
And, um, and so you can actually look at same store sales in large chains and small chains. And if those sales went up, um, most of those actually happen because of a price increase. Mm-hmm. So you say traffic is down. What- traffic is down. When I say traffic is down, that means that the, the door is not swinging as much as it used to. People are not coming less in. Less transactions. Less transactions, less visits to the store. Okay. doesn't mean that sales are down. It just means that people aren't coming into physical restaurants. I think the latest stat that I saw is 58% of meals from restaurants are not consumed inside a restaurant wow. today. And that is actually going to continue. So what's happening is that uh, we're seeing the rise of delivery, of takeout, uh, which used to be something that was only happening in fast food, pizza, right? It just wasn't Chinese. Like it wasn't um, as prevalent. And now with the delivery aggregators, what you're starting to see is that people go there uh, with maybe something in mind, or they go there to determine what they should eat tonight, but they don't, they no longer cordon off. I want something fast and crappy uh, versus I want something amazing. They don't think about delivery as being exclusive for something that's amazing. So So when you're saying they, the delivery aggregators, what exactly is a delivery aggregator? So uh, think about it as an Uber eats, uh, as a Postmates, a Grubhub, um, you know, seamless. Uh, those are uh, people who go out and they combine. Um, you know, they they have the menus of almost any restaurant that you want in the city. Uh, you open one app and you scroll through and you go through and you can have one of the best meals in Austin delivered, or you can have a burger delivered. Um, and uh, as a consumer, you only have to go to one place. They have your account, and um, now what a lot of them are doing is actually giving you rewards. Uh, for ordering multiple times. So you actually get rewards from any restaurant that you order from. Mm. So um, now that we know what a delivery ag- aggregator is, can you go back to like that statement before where uh, you said that like what they are trying to do, um, probably not putting it in the best words, but uh, you, you made a statement delivery ag- aggregators are, don't really care about you know where I'm going with yeah, this? Yeah, okay, I, go back to yeah, that absolutely. Point. So, so the, so the problem is that traffic is down. Um, and there's lots of reasons for that, but we see that delivery is going to be one of the major things that keep people from going out. Um, I'll give you just a, a just a quick antidote anecdote. So we've got, um, a, a couple of restaurant clients and typically when it rains, that's not a good thing for restaurants, mm-hmm. right? Sales go down, but it's like 2%, maybe 3%. Now, when it rains, we're seeing that sales go down 10 to 11%. And that, that means sales in the store. So their, their actual sales may stay up, but people, because they have such a, an ability now to just push a button and get whatever they want delivered. If it just looks like it's going to rain, they're not going to leave their house. If yeah. it looks like it's cold, they're not going to leave their house. So delivery is becoming more prevalent. It's becoming a bigger part of how people get their, their food. So that poses an issue, probably an opportunity, but probably more of a problem for smaller uh, restaurants. And, and that's the first point that I talk about, which is these delivery aggregators now come to restaurants and they talk about how they're going to bring incremental sales, right? They'll say so you're diving into the, the first bullet right now, the, the own your relationship online. I am. Okay. I want to dissect the problem a little okay. bit more. So right, I'm just sure. really curious. Sure. Um, so I th- well, let's identify some of the other reasons. Um, yeah. So I had, uh, uh, I think it was Carol Huntsberger was named, yeah, from Quality Seafood here in Austin. And she was saying that another issue that she believes is keeping people from coming in is the, the amount of traffic that yeah. are, is happening in these big cities too. Yeah. Like there's more and more people in the cities, traffic, like people don't want to leave because they, it takes them... And I experienced it on my way here. I literally drove three miles to get here and it took me 15 minutes. Yep. 
uh, it's getting harder and harder to get around. That's wasted time, right? Why not have the food come to you? Is it that, is. You yeah. Put that of off, put that off on somebody else. And, and the cost of your time for sitting in, you know, 30 minutes when you think about both ways versus a three ninety nine delivery fee, um, you know, people can do the math and they really value their time. So I think that that's a big part of it. Um, I think that, uh, right now there's more choice in the restaurant space than there ever has been. And there is, um, nuanced, uh, niche choice. Mm. So you can get anything. I mean, you've got entire restaurants focused on poke bowls. You've got uh, soba noodles. You, I mean, you have such stratification in the types of, um, meals that you get. It's no longer just a, I've got Mexican Chinese and yeah. pizza. Right. And so, um, so as a restaurateur, you're competing against other people in your space and just for this, for this mindset. But I think the biggest thing is that Take it outside of the industry, just in general, people are relying on technology more than they ever have for convenience. People are lazy. They are. The the day, they, they are. They want to take the path of least resistance. And yeah. there's so many paths of least yeah. re- Like, why put clothes on, take a shower, do all these things, uh, drive, get stuck in traffic, yeah. uh, all the variables that we, we threw out before when you can just literally go to the website or yep. the app and all of your information's there. Yeah. You already know what you want. It's probably your order is probably queued up and memorized. So you just open the app and hit submit. And it's the same thing you order every time. Cause it's cause there's the, the CRM, the data and knows who you are. Like, you know, like it's, it's exactly right. Path of least resistance. Yeah. And you know, and I think it's, it's easy to say people are lazy, but I order uh Torchy's tacos, great hometown brand here uh, every Sunday morning uh, because I've got two kids and they're young. And the idea of putting them in, Taking them out of their PJs, getting them dressed, put them in car seats, having them go into torches and destroy the place versus for $3.99, I can get it delivered. We have a great meal. We get to spend that time that, you know, all the stress that we would have, we get to have that meal at the house. It's just, it's a great experience for me. Um, So I think that there's so many reasons, but the ease is what is different. The Mm -hmm. fact that you, that you said you can push a button and it doesn't take anything more than that. And all the other problems and the issues that used to be associated with feeding yourself go away. Yeah. Um, I think the other variable too, and we, I can't remember who I had this conversation with. I think it was Anna Tazen from the Dallas restaurant association or the Texas restaurant association. And she was saying that there's an increase of, uh, stores that don't even have a storefront or restaurants don't even have a storefront. Mm-hmm. It's literally delivery only, not even pickup, yep. just delivery. So yep. not only are you getting, uh, more and more people offering delivery because of all these services, the door dashes of the world that exists. And now everybody's taking advantage of the services, but now there's people that are specializing in it. Uh, so do you want to speak to that? Do you know? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, have you ever heard of ghost kitchens? No. So it's a phenomenon and uh, started in New York and it was actually built around seamless, which is one of the delivery aggregators. And what these people figured out is that they could go get a commercial kitchen and then they would identify the trends happening on seamless and they would create a fake restaurant. So they would create Ben's poke bowls. Poke bowls are the hottest thing. And they would just in this commercial kitchen, create great food, but there was never any physical place. You couldn't go there if you wanted to. And then the second that that trend died down, they were off to the next thing. Mm. And they would actually be running six restaurants, seven restaurants out of this one commercial kitchen. And it was all delivered through these aggregators. So they're leading the, the consumer to believe that this is a brick and mortar location when the truth is it's just, uh, this probably works better in cities where people, it, where the, the information is so overwhelming that you can't really call people out yeah. on it. But so they're basically keeping their overhead as low as possible and not putting any money into 
branding or the physical yep. store. So that leaves you, it's kind of like the whole, uh, Alinea restaurant group, uh, next mm-hmm. where they, like they're constantly, they have the physical space, but they're changing with the trends. Yep. Uh, you can pivot so much faster when you don't have to worry about that, that brand, that physical space. You can. And with the, what they're doing is they're taking all of the money that they would spend on that physical space and marketing and they're spending it on the aggregators. So they'll show up as the first results when you open up seamless or Grubhub for poke bowls. And guess what? That gets all the traffic yeah. right? until people aren't buying that anymore. And then they're on to the next thing. So, you know, it depends on, you know, where you are in the industry, what you think about that, but it is a very smart way of going about um, optimizing yourself for the way that people think about food today. That's so interesting, man. I'm not sure how I feel about it either. Yeah, but, no, uh, it's kind of creepy, and, yeah. but, but, but smart at the same time. Right. Uh, okay. So now that we've kind of identified the issue, why there's this issue. And again, the issue is less people eating out. What can we do to combat with this, this challenge? What are some of the, the solutions? Yeah. So the first thing that we talk about a lot is uh, making sure that you own the relationship. And so uh, there's a common misconception around um, the Uber Eats of the world, right? And it's that they bring you incremental uh, traffic, right? Or incremental meals. So that's their sales pitch, right? So you would, uh, you're never going to get the, uh, someone who's sitting on their couch to buy something from your restaurant if you're not available for delivery. So we're going to go out and find those people. We'll bring them to you. And guess what? We're going to take 20 or 30% of that check which I don't know any restaurants, maybe you do, that have 30% margin built into their business. So <laughs> what, what they say is that you've got that incremental traffic and you, you wouldn't have been able to fulfill those orders if you didn't have these people bringing it to you. The problem is you don't own that customer relationship. So when a customer comes into you directly or they come to your website or they walk into your store and you're able to connect with them directly, there's some sort of bond that forms. And it could be digitally, it could be physically, um, in this case, they own that entire relationship. They own the data about the individual. Can you give me some examples of the companies that create the situation where you don't own that space? Yeah. So if I go through and uh, I order, um, you will use Poke Bowls again, right? I, I order a Poke Bowl through Uber Eats, um, that restaurant that it's actually fulfilled through. Um, so the, the restaurant who actually makes that bowl doesn't know that it was me. All they know is that they need to make one bowl. And that somebody from Uber Eats is going to come pick it up, right? So they know that it came from Uber Eats. They didn't know it was me. They didn't know if I've been back one time, five times, 10 times. And more importantly, they don't have my contact information. So they can't come back and talk to me about the fact that they created a new flavor or a new bowl that might be great for me. Uber Eats owns that. And all of the aggregators are in a race to capture as many customers as possible and they want to own all of those relationships. So would you advise people to avoid services like Uber Eats and DoorDash? I wouldn't. I think it's, it's got to be part of a complementary strategy because what they do do a great job of is bringing you these people that you probably wouldn't have access to. But if you rely on them t- to do that and that is your only source of traffic, what it, I, I liken it to Facebook. So right, Facebook created this uh, thing for brands where you would get likes on a page And then if you wanted to message these people, all you did was just send out a message and everybody saw it. And brands spent millions and millions of dollars, billions of dollars probably to get people to like their page. And then one day they just turned the switch off and they said, oh yeah, never mind. You can't actually reach those people without paying us. It's all an advertising model. That's exactly what these aggregators are doing. That's what a Postmates or a Grubhub does. So if you want to uh, show up as the number one uh, Mexican food restaurant in the city, 
you're going to have to pay for it. You're mm-hmm. going to have to pay to get that placement. And when you do, you'll get a lot of traffic. You get a lot of people coming in your restaurant. My and blood's you, starting to boil right now. Yeah, and, <laughs> and, you, and you hope that they come back, right? You hope that those people come back. But guess what? They're not because they didn't come to your restaurant. They opened the app looking for Mexican food. There's and the no next loyalty time, there. Exactly. The next time they open that app, there's going to be somebody else's Mexican food restaurant there if you didn't pay for it. Or you didn't do such an outstanding job that they're like, I'm not even going to use that app. I'm just going to go straight to the source. Which unfortunately because people are lazy is unlikely to happen because they develop habits. Yeah. Right. And it's about the habit, the path of least resistance, not the favorite relationship that they have with the restaurant owner or the, the, the people in the restaurant. Well, it's that, but it's also that brands are not, uh, and restaurants are not creating their own experiences. So what a lot of smaller restaurants are doing, which is what we don't recommend they do is they're saying, I'm not going to go create the ability to order online. I'm not going to make it really easy because Uber Eats does that for me or Seamless does that for me. So why would I do that? They're, they have these huge budgets. I'll just let them do it. But you, you let them do that at the risk of losing your customers. So what we believe is there are some great platforms out there for small restaurants. Before that you, they can, you get into that, yeah. those, some of those platforms, um, I want to make sure I fully understand. So the, the way that I'm hearing you, you use Facebook as an example. I think you could also use OpenTable as an example. Originally, mm-hmm. like what they were doing was they were like, oh, you need us because we're going to market you to the general public because they all use our app. Yep. And that marketing fee is going to be the percentage that we take when they book a table with you. Yep. Same deal here. Like they're, they're looking at as I'm not just a, a way for people to book tables with you, I'm I'm looking at this. Um, if you're not on our platform, then people aren't going to come to your restaurant because people use our app to find out where they're going to eat. Uh, but you're losing. You're not you're not growing your email list by doing this. So you're not. I mean, direct mail marketing is the best way to market next to face to face marketing, mm-hmm. right? So the experience in your four walls, that four wall marketing, like TGI Friday coined. So. You need to, even though that you, you want to be on these platforms because they're going to send you new traffic, you also want to find a way to capture their information, their email list specifically or, email, or, or phone number so you can text message or email and do direct marketing, direct mail marketing, which is the most effective form of marketing because you own your email list and that's not going away. But Grubhub or DoorDash or OpenTable might be gone tomorrow. Yep. That's exactly right. Okay. And so what we recommend that uh, restaurants do is have a strategy that takes into account the fact that they probably have to work with these uh, delivery aggregators, but they have to have a plan in place to make that direct connection with the customer. Maybe it's something they insert into the bag. Maybe it's uh, in a lot of the agreements. If you just ask, you can get access to some of that data. Um, so uh, what we just want to make sure of is that they don't rely uh, because there's such a huge trend and 60% of meals are going to be had outside the restaurant. They don't rely on somebody else to kind of control their destiny. They're, a, they're an active participant in building those relationships. So can you give me some more examples of ways? So we want to be on these, these, these platforms like DoorDash, like uh, Grubhub or Uber Eats. Uh, but what are the, once we get people to come to our restaurant the first time, what are the, give me some examples of the things we can do to, to you said mentioned putting something in the bag like yep. a, what are what are some of the other things we can do to retain those people once they've come to us from these uh i guess channels uh, yeah well i think one of the first things is um if you don't have uh if you don't have online ordering so people still search for restaurants they still search for specific restaurants so um i may search for torchy's tacos here in austin specifically 
if there is not online ordering for Torchy's Tacos, I'm going to go to Grubhub or Seamless or someone else to get that delivered and to make that to make that order just because it's easier. So one of the first things that we recommend is that any restaurant has to have some sort of uh, way to fulfill an online order. So you've got to have uh, a platform, and there are some platforms that are very inexpensive, um, and they you know they they are run all the way across the board, right from you know the the Toyota Corolla up to the Cadillac. And so you've got to figure out what fits best for your model. But if you're not giving people a way to order through your site, you're not only behind, but you're going to lose customers who came there looking for that. And they're going to go start their relationship through one of the delivery aggregators. Can you, um, Give me some examples of resources, tools we can use, affordable tools, effective tools we can use to start having online ordering that we own on our site. I know yep. um, Olo is one, yep. online ordering is one. Is there another resource that you can put on our radar that you think is a really solid platform? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Olo is a, a really great one uh, that we've done a lot of work with. Um, there's a, a company out of Austin called Maven um, that does uh, some really interesting work. Um, there's some, uh, com- there's some, um, platforms that focus more on things like catering. Uh, so one called monkey media. Um, and, and those are really some of the ones that stand out. There's one called an Onesis. Um, and so you can look at those as, um, ways to kind of get into, uh, that first step of creating an experience where people can, um, come in and, and order. And what they do that's great is they tie into your point of sale system. Um, you know, a lot of those systems can uh, understand your cook times. They can understand some of the operational challenges of your restaurant and just in certain terms of timing and help you streamline the process to make sure that that order is right and ready at the right time. So is it safe to say a, a good place to start uh, trying to decide which one of these platforms you're going to go, you're going to go with for the online ordering is which one which, what, what POS am I using and what company integrates best with my POS? Is that, or maybe is it? It, it is. And, and a lot of, uh, a lot of POS companies now are actually like square, uh, has caviar, uh, which does loyalty, but they're also enabling online ordering. Um, so a lot of small restaurants use that. There's, um, uh, a lot of, uh, the Aloha NCRs of the world, uh, are providing systems that are out of the box. Um, they all come with their pros and cons and limitations, but, uh, for a small restaurant, a small group who's just trying to get in, um, it's a great place to start with your POS because if you're not making that connection and if the time or the cost to make a connection to another system is prohibitive, we say start there. You might even get a discount because exactly. there, there might be a deal set up. Yep. So uh, I know a lot of people, so the, the, you mentioned square, uh, mm-hmm. is working with caviar. The other two most recommended or three most rec- recommended platforms are Revel, Toast, and Breadcrumb. Do you happen yep. to know the relationships that are going on there in case people are using those platforms? Yeah, so um, I can't speak as much to Breadcrumb, but with uh, Revel and Toast, we've worked with both of them. Uh, Toast has a has a, a great set of products and also very um, they're, they're very open. So I think that they, that's, that's one of the ways that they've gone to market. So uh, I would say that both of those out of the box have some pretty uh, robust solutions that if you have them uh, as your POS, there's really no reason why you shouldn't be doing online ordering right now. So really the best thing you can do is just go to the website of your POS provider and see what the integrations are. They'll have a list of integrations and go with that platform. It's probably the best solution for you. Yeah. That's a great place to start. Yeah. Cool. All right. So where do we leave off? Um, So we're talking about 
the resources you can use to collect your own emails, uh, the, the tools that are out there that allow you to do online ordering on your own platform. I have one question for you. And I'm curious what you say about this. How do you feel about apps? Do you think apps are necessary in today's marketplace? Apps play a role. Um, and the thing you have to think about with apps is that people only have so much room on their phone. And I don't mean that by in terms of memory. I mean that in terms of just what they actually use. They use four to six apps make up 90% of what they do today. And most of them are social networking apps or video apps, right? So um, a restaurant could develop an app and we've developed a lot of them for them, but there needs to be a reason and usually it's going to be frequency. So am I coming back on an weekly basis? Am I, is there a, do I order this so often and I reorder that I need that speed? Because right now what restaurants can do is they can actually create an experience through the web, through mobile web, that is almost as good and in most cases as good as a mobile app, but it doesn't take as much development time, it doesn't take as much cost, and you're only updating one experience, your web experience versus an app. So I'm very pro uh, moving away from apps unless you have high frequency. I'm happy you said that. Yeah, yeah. Or... (laughs) Or you're a you're a, a big chain who's really trying to own the entire delivery experience and you've got a big enough budget to really manage an app and make it great. Yeah, I, I don't I mean, I think like maybe three or four years ago, there was all this buzz around apps and uh, I just don't really uh, subscribe to that, that notion that you need an app. Uh, online ordering has gotten so good from the, your website that it, it's just as seamless as uh, having... Like people are overrun by apps. Like yep. you, you lose track of the apps on your phone. Some people would argue the benefit is you get push notifications with an app. But if you're collecting emails and phone numbers, then you can also... That's the same as... That's all just direct mail marketing right there. So it's like the equivalent of... Right? So yep. we're all on the same page there? It is. And uh, SMS, right? SMS is one of the best channels for restaurants to leverage because... That's text um, messaging. Te- text messaging. Sorry for That's those okay. who don't know. But yeah, text messaging is one of the best ways because uh, text messages are open, I think, 90 plus percent of the time in the first minute, uh, much like a push notification. Uh, but you don't have to go through all the challenges of maintaining an app to get there. Okay. So I think we've kind of beat this point dead, right? We, we were, we're clear that you want to have you want to own the the platform where your uh the online ordering is taking place you want to at least have that option that is your own on your website that's a summary of what we just discussed right yep so what's the next bullet underneath this this uh so the so the second part is once you own that relationship you've got to realize that uh, the experience for your guest is going to be very different. If they don't come in, if they're experiencing your food in their home, um, they're not going to get the full experience that you designed when you created the restaurant. So what we say is every restaurant has to have signature moments. And that signature moment may be at Olame here in Austin, uh, the biscuits, right? Okay. Everybody talks about the biscuits. Um, it's, uh, it may be the way that when you walk in, you're greeted. It yeah. may be the design, the decor, the smell. So I just want to throw a timeout in oh, here sorry. real quick. No, you're good. Uh, so we, the first bullet that we covered was own your relationships online. We're actually, so that, that thought we just summed yep. up right there. We've transitioned to the second thing we can do uh, to combat the lack of customers being in-house, which is, creating and maintaining and evolving signature experiences. So I just want to make sure we're all on the same page. Uh, Pick up that train of thought again for me. So the second thing that we ask restaurants to really focus on is how do you create, maintain and evolve signature experiences? So if 60% of your meals are going to happen outside of the four walls of your restaurant, then 
customers and guests are going to miss a lot of what you designed the experience to be. They're not going to see the decor. They're not going to smell your food. Um, There are these signature moments that every restaurant should have. The example I always use is Olame, which is a fantastic restaurant here in Austin. Uh, They're famous for their biscuits. You can smell the biscuits when you walk in and they make a big presentation about these biscuits and everybody talks about it. It's just something you do when you go to Olame, but that experience doesn't happen in delivery. And so what we, what we want to watch out for is the same way you're purposeful about creating those signature moments. When you design your restaurant, you have to design signature moments that happen outside of your restaurant. So we think about things like packaging, right? The way your food is prepped, how it's going to look when somebody opens it from a delivery, uh, when they're on their couch. Um, how is it, does it, does it travel well? Um, is it optimized to, spend 20 minutes in a car being shooken around, right? And then when somebody opens that food, is there that Instagram moment? You know, people are constantly taking those top-down, tasty-like shots of their food, but they don't do that as much with delivery because it's just not beautiful. It doesn't happen. And so uh, we really believe that you have to purposefully create those signature moments proactively. And if you can do that, then what your restaurant stands for and what it really is all about can extend into delivery and build an ongoing relationship. So what are some of the, the things that you're seeing people that are, that are doing this well, creating the, the, uh, those, those signature moments in the delivery experience really well? What, what are the things they're doing? Yeah. Give me some specific examples. So I think that um, you, you see this, you, you saw it start with pizza, right? Where the folks like Domino's and Pizza Hut are actually creating vehicles that are that have ovens in them. And so they're cooking the pizza on the way, right? So yeah. that was one thing. Yeah, so they that, that was one thing that they did. But I think where, what we're starting to see now is you're starting to see uh, companies who are optimizing the way that the packaging looks so that not only does it keep um, food hot, but when you unfold the package, it's created in a way where you're it's ready to eat uh but it looks beautiful Mm. um so that it's uh, it's functional it has the right form but um the food just looks like it was prepared to be eaten that way so i think that that's that's one thing i think that um on top of that you know there's the uh there's always a challenge of is the food going to be hot is it going to smell well right but um but is there something that uh that the restaurant does inside the four walls that doesn't happen afterwards. And a lot of times that's, they give you a free, um, appetizer on an amuse bouche or some sort of Uchi does an amazing job of that here in Austin. So every time we go to Uchi co, um, we'll order four or five dishes and another one will come out something we didn't order, but they know goes well with that. Well, that doesn't happen in delivery. Mm -hmm. And so I, I, every time I go there, I, I have something delicious that I wouldn't have. And the next time I come back, I'll order two of them. Right. But I feel like they really care about me. I feel that hospitality. And so you've got to sort of orchestrate those moments. So can you add something to the bag that might make them come back? Can you, um, you know, can you anticipate what would go well with that? Um, or even just a nice note, right? Just a note that says, Hey, you know, sorry that you couldn't join us this time. Next time, come in, have a free drink on us. And we'll show you what a real dining experience is all about. Yes, I'm loving all these little nuggets you're dropping on us. And when I hear you speak, what, what, what comes into my mind is really we have been kind of hardwired to look at the delivery arm of our business as being secondary, yep. but we need to start looking at it as being primary and exactly. to not treat it like a, oh, like just, let's just get this out of the house, right? Like, how can you make that out of, out of house experience or 
I guess, depending on what your perspective is in-house experience, if you're getting at your house, yep. uh, how can you really take that to the next level by paying attention to the details and making that experience as delightful as possible and not just throwing something in a box, yep. right? Uh, so um, are there any companies you know of that specialize in customizing packaging for your special needs? That's a great question. And what I'll do is I'll get, I know that we've worked with quite a few and I'll actually get you a list and we can put it in the show notes. Okay. But, um, but off the top of my head, I can't tell you exactly the names, but I, uh, but what I can tell you is that that is going to be a, a place that all packaging providers are going to have to go to. And so the things we're seeing in packaging that are really interesting right now are the requirement for things to be sustainable, recyclable. Um, so, um, you know, you're moving to, uh, more recyclable materials like wooden, um, forks and spoons, right? Moving away from plastic, that type of stuff. So we're seeing that, but what we haven't seen a lot of yet is as much innovation in the way the packaging is actually created that doesn't have to be done in a custom way. So I think you'll start to see that as a trend in the next, in the next year. I mean, obviously it's like, this is all a great conversation and there's there a huge vertical potential uh, to stand out ver- compared to your, your competitors if you do this really well, uh, but you have, you can't just turn your nose at the, the overhead. Of, exactly. So like the, the, the cost of doing that really well, the, just the, 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 the paper, the products, all that stuff, like it, it can't be cheap. I'm assuming. No, it's not. It's not. And I think if you look at delivery as secondary, then you look through it, you look through that lens. Uh, but if you look at it as primary, uh, just the same way you wouldn't invest in cheap plates, you wouldn't invest in cheap decor. If that becomes the primary way that people experience your product, you need to invest in that more. And this, the hard reality is that you probably need less beautiful plates in your restaurant and more beautiful packaging that's getting people their food yeah. that's hot than, uh, than you did in the past. Yeah. And so that mind shift, that flip, is really hard for restaurateurs because they are so fantastic at creating these experiences that are sensory that happen in the moment and they control every element of that. Right. And they're, you know, they're meticulous. The best chefs, the best founders are meticulous about every aspect of that journey. But then we see the food leave and they, it's almost like they forgot about that part. Yeah. And the, the, the thought that's coming into my mind right now is if, if you're, if you are making the delivery, your primary and you, you bypass the, the overhead that comes with the brick and mortar, the, the uh, visual appeal and all these things are just, that is huge initial over uh, overhead. But if you are starting out and you want to open your own food and beverage business and you don't have a lot of initial investment, like the overhead to get really nice packaging is still a lot smaller than building a whole restaurant. So you can, this is a great way uh, to, to break into the restaurant industry because it's a lot more affordable than, and you can really be so good at it. Right. Uh, it's really interesting. It is. And, you know, I think the ghost kitchens are the bad example. Those are people trying to kind of take advantage of the system. Yeah. I think what we haven't seen are the people who do it the right way. Transparently. Too. Yeah. yeah. And who say, you know what, we're going to create a delivery focused high end experience and we don't do anything but, but it, it will be custom designed and purposely designed just for that. So if you want to have the best meal in your home and you want to have it at a reasonable price, we don't have all of the overhead and it's going to be hot, ready to go. And the best thing you've ever put in your mouth, right? There's a whole host of entrepreneurs and chefs and up and comers that I think could take advantage of that. And if I was going to be putting my money on where people should be making bets, it would be there because of the flexibility that gives you. Yeah. Uh, I almost want to say it would be there. Unfortunately, just because I'm <laughs> such a, a face to face kind of person. But, uh, anyway, that's beside the point. Uh, any other thoughts? Uh, we, I don't think we really talked about branding. Um, we talked about packaging 
and creating a good experience. But there's simple things we can do too that people don't do, like putting stickers on the boxes or just having a stamp on the bag. So when all of our stuff is going out into the world, it might be trash, but at least it's branded trash and people are going to see like, oh, they deliver. I didn't know that. Did we really tap into that? No, I don't, I don't think we did. And I think that, that we talked a little bit about it. Of You've got to en- envision the entire experience and you've got to understand every single touch point and every opportunity. And that's going to be the bag. That's going to be the plates. That's going to be the packaging, the forks, everything that goes to that user. And if you think about how could I make that look amazing, maybe at a lower cost, a stamp is a great, great way. Right. Uh, I think that depending on what type of restaurant you are and the number of checks you actually have or the number of deliveries that are going out, people absolutely underestimate the value of a handwritten note. Right. I mean, just a quick thank you for your business. Hope you enjoy the pad thai. Will just it, it's the type of thing that people are going to take a picture of, right? Mm-hmm. And they know that That's somebody actually prepared right exactly. Yeah. yeah. So you can create those without spending um, an, an enormous amount of money. So I mean, this is something as simple as writing a note on the inside of the pizza box, right? Or yep. taking that same idea and putting it on the inside of the bag, or maybe on the outside of the wrapper of a sandwich or something like that. It is. It is. And, you know, every brand hopefully has its own personality. And the ones that have the best personalities, I think, are the ones that are going to understand that that has to come to life in those moments. So those small little touches go a long way. Beautiful. Uh, And I think one other thing that you kind of hinted on is that we can use this delivery experience to be an opportunity to drop people into the restaurant by offering like uh, coupons or uh, if it's their first time ordering delivery and we there's a way we can track that uh if they're new to our database or something then that's our cue to put a oh come like you know a free uh steak dinner or chicken dinner uh on your first visit and then if you can get people to come back if they say three times then you're creating a habit and that's going to be the place that they go so these these delivery options if you're giving them incentive to come in and you can get them to come in three times take advantage of that if they're new right you you should absolutely take advantage of that and and those are great examples of how you can do it you know you can put specific codes uh on offers so that you know this is somebody who uh came from delivery you can uh, ask them to come in i think that stat though if it takes three times I think what's great about delivery is I believe it only takes two times. Mm. If you do delivery, great, because it is so easy and because it doesn't take anything for the user to do, they will... It's easier to stand it, out. It is easier to stand out because there are so many people doing it poorly. Well, the other thing, yeah, like the, the the expectation is so low that it's easier to exceed expectations. And it's people expect things. That's why they call them expectations. But uh, it it's when you go above and beyond that really gets people to... To, to, to exceed those expectations is what will bring them back. It does. And we talk about this idea of life loops. You know, yeah. people, they all believe they're this like precious snowflake and no one is like them and that, that their life is so unique. But most people eat at the same places over and over, right? They, they go into these loops and, and their life looks very similar. They go home around the same time. They eat around the same time. Every two weeks, they go back to a certain type of restaurant. And if you can insert yourself into that life loop, with delivery, it's really hard unless you screw up for them to break out of that. And that sounds kind of like not a good thing. I think it's a great thing. I think if you can find a way to ingrain yourself in somebody's life with delivery, it's almost like an automatic easy button, right? Where they're just wanting to do that. So 
Think about every opportunity that you get delivered your first time, your second time. If you can make that above and beyond what they're going to get anywhere else, they're going to remember that. And they're going to go, yeah, you know what? I got a soggy burger that one time, but uh, when I ordered from this place, every time it's just on point. It's perfect. Yeah. Let's just go there. Yeah, man. So just, we've been pretty granular. We've been kind of down into the details. I'm going to zoom up to 30,000 feet real quick to kind of remind everybody what we're here to talk about. Again, the topic is how to combat people eating out more. We've covered owning your relationship online and we just covered creating and maintaining and evolving signature experiences. Uh, anything else you want to add to that bullet before moving on to the next bullet? I want to build on a point that you, that you made and it's the, the idea that, um, people put so much thought into the in-store experience, but the, you know, it's a secondary thought delivery. And that idea of flipping it to be primary is, is really important. And and that mindset, I think will put people ahead. If you can start to think that way, the, uh, the things that it opens, just as you make decisions about, uh, your building, your build out, the uh, software that you buy, the staff that you hire, um, it's just a nice lens to look through. And I think that that's something that people should, uh, should take away from this. Beautiful. All right. We're going to take a quick break to thank our sponsors and we'll be right back. All right. I have a question for you. How can an anonymous employee reporting program be a profit center for your restaurant? Hmm. Well, for starters, fraud alone represents a staggering loss to the restaurant industry with an estimated $40 billion in losses in the U.S. in 2017 alone. And this does not include the losses and costs associated with the more than 540,000 calls made to the U.S. EEOC in 2017, resulting in millions of dollars in penalties and legal costs for restaurant owners and investigators related to claims of harassment and discrimination. So do I have your attention? Good, because there's more. Employee tip-offs about misconduct continue to be the most common method for detection and prevention, but employees are often deterred from reporting their concerns directly to supervisors because they're afraid that there's going to be retaliation or they might lose their job or something, and I get it. But with Ethics Suites Anonymous and web-based RestaurantEthics.com, you can provide a safe, secure, simple, and anonymous communication channel between you and your employees to help protect your hard-earned reputation and assets. Go to ethicssuites.com slash restaurants unstoppable and you will get three additional months so for the cost of 12 months you'll get 15 months or head over to the show notes and find the banner and you can use the link there if you listen to restaurant unstoppable i'm sure you've heard me say it before but i'll say it again there are two things that you need to let determine your growth the first thing that's people the second thing that's cash flow and we've got you covered on the cash flow part of things because i'm working with cashflowtool.com the ultimate cloud-based solution for your business cashflowtool.com is simple powerful and predictive it's simple because it requires no data entry it's always up to date and it works on any device anywhere it's powerful because with its built-in cash flow calendar activity feed and anomaly detector you instantly know all aspects of your cash flow with no surprises and it's predictive because you know your cash flow today and you can anticipate it tomorrow head over to www.cashflowtool.com unstoppable and enter promotional code unstoppable at checkout and you'll receive pro features at the essential features price and we're back so up to this point we've covered uh owning your relationship online creating and maintaining any evolving signature experiences and the last bullet we're going to cover on how to combat this uh 
this, uh, I don't know if you want to call it an epidemic, but just a, a shift in the marketplace uh, where people are eating at home more. The last thing we're going to cover is addressing the changing nature of space. What do you mean by addressing the changing nature of space? So we just spent a lot of time talking about what happens when people eat in their home and the par- the process and the uh, the delivery. But what we also have to think about is there's still going to be 40 or 50% of the people who come into your space. And when you think about takeout, um, maybe they don't eat in your space, but they might come to get the food. Uh, the purpose of your space is going to evolve. So if you built a restaurant 10 years ago and you build a restaurant two years from now, those things probably should look very different because the way people eat is so drastically different. So when we think about space, the four walls, why did you create that space in the first place? Was it to have uh, you know, an amazing dining experience that's all about the combination of decor and food and smell? Was it about speed? Was it about authenticity? You know, there's, there's usually something that goes into the thought of the design. As we think about design moving forward, we have to think about function as well. Is there an, uh, a place for people to pick up their orders? Is it streamlined? Do they have to wait in line? Do they have to go up to the bar? How do you make it so that it's not a punitive thing when I order takeout? Instead, it's a great experience. It's fast. It's all the things that I'm looking for. Um, we also think about uh, back of house. So with delivery, um, a, a lot of restaurants aren't set up um, to, I mean, we've, we, we have a, a restaurant partner that we work with uh, who does stir fry. And one of the things that they realized is that uh, they actually create these amazing stir fries, but they don't know what goes into the bowl. They actually give people a bowl, they give them a base, and then they allow them to make all the stir fry. They don't know what their top selling stir fry is. They don't know the combinations. They didn't know yeah, any of those things because the customer did that. Yeah, they never captured that data through the POS, the entry, and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, because they really didn't need to. Now they need to because they need to create those experiences. They need to create that experience for the customer. So they've got to rethink how they actually set that up. I feel like you could basically know the weight of what's going out and then see how much weight you sold. Well, they know, they know at the end of the day, they know they had this much chicken and now they have this much chicken, but they don't know that I put chicken and broccoli and this sauce together. So what they don't, what they can't do is, um, you know, create, uh, combinations that are really easy to deliver. Uh, because, uh, so, so little things like that. I think that, um, thinking through the real purpose of your space and then is it going to evolve? And my guess would be that if half of your guests are no longer coming in to dine with you, that the space should probably evolve. Maybe it gets smaller. Maybe it's open. We're seeing a lot of restaurants actually open their doors during the day to do co-working spaces. And so they'll do coffee, they'll do a limited menu, but they have a way of offsetting the cost during lunchtime, and then they focus on the dinner hour. So uh, I think that the, the idea of looking at space in a very different way is really important. So other, like, I think I, I get what you're saying. What you're saying is basically the market's shifting. The space is going to be used differently. So we should adapt the space to be in favor of people on the go, like the fast casual idea. Like what are some things people, some other examples of things, creative ways people are, are adapting to this online ordering phase, this, uh, this transactional tra- quick transitional experience. Uh, what are, what are things people are doing? Give me some more examples. So, I think Starbucks was the case study that everybody used for years and years, right? They, they created this third yeah. place, and yeah. this is where, where I go. Lots of coffee shops do an amazing job of creating a working environment where I could stay for multiple hours, right? 
With restaurants, though, usually there's a defined period where you come in. It's an hour, maybe two hours, maybe three hours at max. I think what we have to think about is that um, you may have a similar space. You may have um, less people coming in. Uh, Should they stay longer? Should they stay shorter? Could you create something else that happens in that space that would give them a reason to actually come out? So is it more entertainment? Is it, uh, you know, the fastest growing segments that we see right now are not just food, but food and entertainment, right? So uh, think about brew pubs that have games, um, bowling, like those types of things that sound a little bit cheesy, but people, if they're going to go out, they want an entire night's experience. Look at the barcade that's popping off right now. Yeah. Um, So are there any things that people are doing to make the process more streamlined uh, that you can share with us to, to create a, a path of least resistance from the time you get to the front door from the time you, you leave the, fr- the, the front door? Definitely. So there's a, a couple basics. So the first is make sure that you have a to-go or an online ordering line that's very easily messaged, signed, uh, that people don't have to um, cut across the restaurant. They don't have to really feel like they're getting in the way. And so that there's speed. Um, I think other restaurants are doing things that are a bit more self-serve. So they're going to kiosks. Uh, so instead of having to maybe man that entire line, there's a ability to walk in, let you know that I'm here, give me my order number, and then it's run out from the kitchen. So uh, people are starting to do that type of stuff. I think another thing I've seen too is online ordering drive-up windows where people don't yes. even have to get out of their car. So you can do drive-up and order in like the traditional way we know how to do it. Or you can literally just drive up to a window and say, your name or your number and they hand you the bag and you're gone. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and other restaurants are even not even making you go to a drive up. So if it's a, if it's a more of a casual dining or a dine in restaurant that doesn't have a drive through, they'll actually bring it out to the parking lot. Yeah. So, um, not making me get out of my car, not making me come in is is something that's, that's really important. So a, a sub bullet you had under this, uh, category is, uh, think beyond the restaurant four walls. What do you mean by that? Um, I, I think that, it ties a little bit into what we talked about earlier of those signature moments, but um, the the things that happen inside the restaurant aren't um, there's there's a moment in time when people walk into those four walls, right? But they did something before, and they're going to do something after. So, can we remember who they are, and can we greet them in a really specific way? Can we remember their favorites? Can we understand things like uh, allergens, right? Or nutritional information? Is there something that they could signal to us before that means when they're in our restaurant, the experience is better, right? So uh, if less people are coming in and having those dining experiences, we can probably tailor each one of those experiences more than we could when you had 100% of the people eating your food there. Awesome. Anything else you want to add to this last point of addressing the changing nature of space? I would say that the same way that people often look at delivery uh, versus dine-in as uh, two separate things, and they might put priority on one versus the other. I think you have to look at physical and digital spaces as one thing. Uh, And you have to realize that almost every person that comes into your restaurant is going to use both of those in the the time frame that they're going to eat with you. So they probably went to look for you on Yelp or they looked for uh, Google Maps to get to your restaurant. They're going to have a great experience in, and then afterwards they might leave and rate you. Hopefully you gave them something that was going to build a relationship. But the way that those two uh, physical and digital tie together 
is really important. And if someone hasn't thought through that, then what they become is uh, they, they seem different to the customer. They seem really hard. And so integrating those is something that's really important. Interesting. I've really, really enjoyed this conversation. I think it's packed with really actionable advice and uh, forward thinking advice. Uh, I want to get even more forward thinking. I'm curious. Like this is this this, this is a c- our current situation, right? What do you think the future looks like? What do you think the next evolutionary step is? That we aren't even quite there yet, but based off the trajectory, where do you think we're going? I, I hate to be um, the the doomsdayer, right? But I do think that we're going to see that. Um, more and more uh, that th- this is just the start. So I think that something like 60% is a, is a low number. I think it's going to go up north of that and it's going to go up north of that sooner than we think. I think that you're going to see uh, it's almost going to look like our economy. I think that you're going to have a 1% of restaurants who are amazing at creating experiences that are going to be very successful and people are going to want to go spend their time and their physical face-to-face interactions with those restaurants who do this amazing. And those restaurants are also going to have to figure out how they deliver those experiences outside. I think there's going to be a big portion in the middle that unfortunately probably go away because they don't get it. They don't do it fast enough and they miss this trend. And all of a sudden they look up and the door swings aren't happening and they go, what happened? And, and they don't have enough time to fix it. Then I think on the other side, you're going to have some of the larger chains and the fast casuals and those people who uh, know it's coming or investing in it, but have enough scale to kind of weather this storm. Um, so I think that you're going to see that happen. Unfortunately, my hope though, is that restaurateurs see this coming soon. They really embrace it. Um, and they start to make some changes right away and hopefully end up in that 1%. And maybe that 1% looks more like 10%. Yeah. I don't know. It's, 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 it's really interesting. It's, it's hard to project into the future. Uh, I, I agree with you to, um, an extent we're going to probably see more movement in this direction, but I think that most things in life act like a a pendulum. Things only swing so far before they start to swing back again. So I'll be, it'd be really interesting to know what the, t- the thing is that makes things swing back to more intimacy. Uh, think we as humans, it's in our nature to be intimate. We need one another. It's hardwired into us to, to belong, to, to have people to care for us and for us to care for. So I think that there might be a little bit of a starvation for that eventually, and that it's going to be trendy again to, to go back to the, the intimate relationship driven uh, experiences because it's a part of what we need to be happy. If you look at like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, yep. like belonging, being heard and like all those things like aren't going to evolve out of us overnight. Right. I completely agree. So and it's I interesting. Think, yeah, I completely agree. And, and that's really where I put that one to 5% of restaurants. I think they're the ones who are going to be able to create those unique experiences, but the ones who don't aren't going to fit anywhere on that Maslow's hierarchy of need. Cause I don't need to be fed cause I can push a button and get that <laughs> right. I don't need shelter. I've got all of that. Yeah. So I'm looking for something at a higher level. And that's really the challenge that I yeah. think most restaurateurs face. I think one interesting thing that's going to start happening, you're going to start seeing it is uh, pop-ups on a very intimate level where it's the home cook where somebody loves cooking for friends and loves cooking for people. Uh, and if you want a certain experience, uh, say Indian food or uh, Mexican food or Chinese food, like you can literally uh, have somebody who's cooking a meal for their family and you can be invited to, to, to sit at that authentic uh, cultural experience. And I think that might be something that's, that's really, cause talk about experiences, right? Talk about intimate, Absolutely. right? I think that might be something that starts popping up. Too. I think it's a beautiful idea. And I think that you'll see a lot more of that. And what's great is that while technology is 
pre- presenting a lot of these challenges, it also makes something like that possible at yeah. scale because yep. you couldn't do that before the same way you couldn't go rent somebody's couch and stay on it for just a night and get a great authentic experience that turned into Airbnb, right? You know, you can't, uh, you can't really do that today. I imagine there's going to be platforms that pop yeah. up that make that just a norm. Right. And that, yeah. to me, that's really exciting because I think that's where it all started. Mm-hmm. When you look at, uh, at hospitality in the restaurant industry, it started with people, you welcoming people into your home, travelers into your home and being warm and generous and hospitable. And we're going, we're, we are coming full circle. And I think that's the future. I hope that's the future because that, that's something that that's something that I like to get behind that human element. Um, that's something that's near and dear to my heart. But anyway, we've covered a lot today. I've really enjoyed this conversation. Uh, I wrap up every conversation unless I don't want to cut you short. Is there anything that you want to get onto the table that you you didn't get out? No, I think we covered it all. I'm a, it was great conversation. Thank you. Yeah. I really enjoyed it too. And, uh, like I said, I wrap up every conversation by having my guests call somebody out. So who's somebody you really respect in maybe the the Austin market. Somebody you think I need to get on the show as a guest mentor to learn from, to call I, somebody up. I think you got to get Tyson Cole on. Um, you know, there's a couple people up there. Uh, he and Aaron Franklin just did a collaboration at Loro, which if you haven't been there is amazing. But uh, the food at Uchiko, I'm such a fanboy, and I spend way too much time and probably too much of my paycheck there. But uh, Tyson Cole does things with one bite. Uh, that you just don't see anymore. The precision is pretty amazing, but he's also turned that into just an, you talk about expectations. I mean, people have expectations when they walk into an Uchi or Uchi Co because it hits every time. And I think that he's thought through so many different things. So yeah. I think he's, uh, I think he's really smart. Another guy that's uh, really, really smart doing some very cool things. Uh, there's a guy named GJ Hart who just took over at Torchies. He's actually the guy who, uh, built California pizza kitchen from, you know, a couple restaurants to a couple thousand restaurants. Uh, and he's got some big visions for what's going on at Torchies. Uh, and man, he, he knows the space. Both those restaurants are, are on my radar and I've been really impressed with how many people, you know, one thing I've learned in this industry is success breeds success. And so many people that I've already spoken to are a byproduct of, uh, not a byproduct, but they, they came through the Uchi restaurant group and they, they have the, that ethos, that culture, the, the, the discipline that, that Tyson Cole uh, mentored into them. And I think it'll be really interesting to get him on the show and uh, TJ Hart. Look up, man. I'm coming after you. GJ, DJ, GJ, G sorry, GJ, George Juliet. Look out. I'm coming after you. I'd love to get you on the show. And how can the folks connect with you or follow your work? And, or maybe if they have a question, what's the best way to, to follow up? Sure. So you can find me uh, on LinkedIn, Ben Gaddis. You can find me at Twitter, Ben D Gaddis, all one word. And then you can uh, always email me at Ben at T dash three, the number three dot com. Uh, so uh, I, I spend a lot of time on uh, LinkedIn and Twitter sharing thoughts, but uh, happy to connect with people on any of those platforms. All right, and this is episode 575. Head over to restaurantunstoppable.com slash 575. I'll have a link to uh, all the tools and resources recommended on the show, a summary of the discussion, and also the links on how to connect with Ben over there. Again, thank you, Ben Gaddis, for taking the time to to share our story, your story, uh, your, your knowledge, and just really just valuable stuff here in today's conversation. There is no questioning. You are unstoppable. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Cheers. There's another episode in the archive here at restaurant unstoppable. Ben Gaddis. Thank you so much for coming on the show and thank you to T3 for letting us record in your facilities and uh, just some really great stuff today. Really valuable conversation. Again, the, what we're here to 
discusses. We know that more people are, are eating out and uh, getting delivery. Less people are, are eating in re- restaurants. What we are here to, to, to discuss is what you can do about it, what you can do to set yourself up for success in this changing marketplace. And I think that the big takeaways for me in today's conversation were uh, really be uh, mindful of how you are doing online ordering. Make sure you own the contact information of your guests. I mean, that is so important. Companies come and go. Uh, people's contact information, specifically emails and phone numbers, that's that tends to be a little bit more long-term. So you want to hang on to that information. You don't want some other company to have that information. And I think the other thing, too, is to look at this as an opportunity, right? Uh, not a lot of people are... You know, they don't have their thumb on the pulse of the industry like you guys do. Like you're here listening to this, like you're paying attention. Uh, Start being proactive. Start stepping up your delivery game. Start doing all the things we discussed in today's conversation to really separate yourself from other people in your market who are not willing to step up that, that, take out in that delivery game. Uh, there's a lot of cool, interesting things you can do to, to lead in that vertical. So take advantage of it. Look at this as an opportunity. I think that mindset is really important here. And uh, just, yeah, again, really great stuff today. Again, uh, Ben, thank you so much for coming on the show. And uh, this was another deep dive. And if it feels like we're getting a lot of deep dives, it's because it's the holiday season. Restaurateurs are busy. I'm trying to give them a break, trying to let them focus on their businesses. So I'm getting the experts on the show to do these deep dives. And uh, it's been really fun. I'm enjoying these conversations. Uh, but I could use some help. Uh, if you think that there's a conversation that needs to happen on on Restaurant Unstoppable, uh, then put that conversation on my radar. I'm always looking for new and interesting people to talk about. Too, but I'm also looking for interesting topics to talk about. So if you have a topic, make a suggestion. I am paying attention. Uh, and like always, guys, I got to say, keep those five-star reviews on iTunes and Stitcher Radio coming. They help so much. Uh, you can reach out to me, Eric, at restaurantunstoppable.com, Instagram, Twitter, Eric Hatchatori, Facebook slash Restaurant Unstoppable, and also get on my email list. Uh, I am really going to try to grow that sucker in 2019. That's one of my big goals, and it's as simple as heading over to Restaurant Unstoppable and finding uh, the the field that will pop up it hits you right in the face or just scroll into the bottom of any page and you'll find a, a way to sign up there and what you'll get in those emails guys is basically uh, a conversation a dialogue that I, i'm trying to develop keeping you posted with what i got going on behind the scenes and what you missed in the previous week with the episodes that i'm publish- publishing so do sign up for that email list and i think that's it for today thanks so much for sticking around this long and i would be a jerk if i didn't say happy holidays and happy new year go out there have fun be safe And I'll see you next time. Peace out.